The Order of Light presents We Are the Disclosure with your host, Robert Earl White and Josh Myota, as we explore the extraterrestrial phenomena. Now is the time for those with experiences to speak. We are not waiting for the disclosure. We are the disclosure. Hello, everyone. I'm Robert Earl White. And I'm Josh Myota. With our special guest, Judith Green. Hi. <laughs> and together, we are the Disclosure. Welcome, everyone. Tonight, we have a very special guest, Judith Green. She is a person who has been in contact with extraterrestrials. Not just that, she's also encountered many other things as well. And all of this was taking place in the Upper Peninsula in Michigan, which is a place that is infamous with a lot of different activity. And she has been dealing with this phenomena just about her entire life. She's been on a documentary that I was just honored to watch. It had Travis Walton and uh, Stan of Fr Friedman as well. And absolutely amazing stuff. Her story is incredible. And uh, welcome to the show, Judith. So glad to okay. have you here. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, it's been all my life. I'm no spring chicken anymore. And my story, my story started, I believe, when I was about five or six. Vaguely remember. Uh, those memories didn't really come back to me till I started having the real life experience abduction, abduction sessions in the eighties. Um, but so it's basically been my whole life of all these encounters, all these experiences, lots of weirdness. Let me tell you, I think about it and I haven't had a, 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 what you would call a normal life <laughs> as far as, you know, uh, UFOs and, extraterrestrials and just just strange phenomena happening over mm -hmm. my whole lifetime well this was all happening in the upper peninsula of michigan that's, correct? that's right that's and right can you give us a brief little history or some of the weird uh discoveries or paranormal instances and experiences that have happened in the lake superior area upper peninsula well, um, for one thing, when I was going to school in a junior college, I, in the UP of Michigan, I um, wrote a term paper or a um, research paper on UFO phenomena that took place with a pilot, I believe it was in the 60s, Air Force pilot that went miss missing, missing um, flying over Lake Superior I think that story was pretty famous. I don't remember all the details anymore. It's been quite a while since I wrote that paper, but he was missing. He went off the radar. They never did find him. Um, they There is a place out in the middle of Lake Superior they call Lake Superior Triangle. Mm. And I've just recently learned that underneath Lake Superior is a huge UFO base, um, a portal uh, for interdimensional travel to and from this planet which could stand to reason because Lake Superior is a very deep lake, very deep, mm -hmm. and it's cold. And the, it's one of these 
lakes that's got its own personality. I mean, it's pretty wild. I mean, it can, you know, sink a ship in, in no time and that kind of thing. So all of the Mariner people know to, to use caution on Lake Superior because of the, you know, just the craziness that it almost like the Bermuda Triangle. It's like yeah. the Bermuda Triangle of the lakes, the Great Lakes. Well, they have they have on Lake Superior these waves called the Three Sister Waves, and they are just a up and down like this, and that's what can get a boat in trouble. A big ore boat, you know, the mm -hmm. Edmund Fitzgerald sunk off of Whitefish Point, and that was in the UP, you know, outside mm -hmm. off the shore, south shore of the UP, or wow. Michigan. And North have North they uh, have they made any sort? Have you heard of any stories of any discoveries or anything interesting being found in the lake, being from that area? Yes, there was a friend of a friend who told us his story that he was with. He he belonged to a scuba, not scuba, but a deep diving club from mm -hmm. downstate Michigan, and they were all anxious to come and do a dive in Lake Superior because they wanted to investigate what was down there. I don't know if they had any kind of foreknowledge of this or not. I don't remember, but they went, took their boat up here and they went out in the middle of the lake. And I believe it was somewhere between Copper Harbor, which is the very tip of, um, the, of the Keweenaw Peninsula, jutted right out in Lake Superior, if you look at a map, and Isle Royal. It was somewhere between there, that area that they went and did a dive, a deep dive. And when they got down to a certain level, they found um, a platform down there, several platforms, like they were concrete looking um, floors from, hmm. from ruins of buildings and some partial walls. And they knew that they were like, it was like a city or, you know, a small city environment. That's what it looked like. And wow. they were most enthralled with the fact that there was a, a statue with her arms up in the air above her head. It was a woman, like she had been holding a crystal ball. That was what they thought. She could have been holding some sort of a spear. And whatever she signified, you know, whatever she represented, they didn't know. But they were so excited. That was a test dive that they did. And they were so excited that they came back up to their boat and they grabbed their cameras and they, mm -hmm. they went back down there to film what they saw. And when they came up, the Coast Guard was waiting for them. And they were told to board their boat immediately. The Coast Guard was on their boat. And they, you know, the, the officers were on their boat and said, um, what, did, what did you find down there? Did you take pictures? Is there film in those cameras? Blah, blah, blah. And they just ripped all the film out of the cameras right there. Wow. They destroyed the film. And then they took them out and they said, we, we have, you have to get this boat out of these waters. You're in your, this is um, territory. You're not allowed in, you know? And so they said, okay. So they followed them and they had to get their boat downstate and they had to go to in these interrogation rooms and they had to watch videos for like a, a whole day or two, sit there and be deprogrammed about everything that they learned. And it was just like, they, it was happening so fast and they didn't even know what their rights were. They didn't know anything that was going on, but these people were really serious that they didn't mm -hmm. want anybody to know what was under the lake. Wow. So that was what my friend's friend had told us. I sat at her 
kitchen counter while he told this story. And he said it was just like they were just blown away by it. He remembered it all. I mean, they didn't deprogram him totally, but they didn't get their film. They didn't get to see their pictures. They only had what was in their mind. And, you know, they were being and they told. Made they made sure they would stay silent and cover that's, it that's up. That's right. That's and right. And for the talk, Coast Guard to talk. be there, they must have been aware. This is an important fact. They must have known that structure was in that area. Why that's would right. they... Why would they care to begin with just seeing a deep diving? They have that, to know that is there. That's right. Mm. And mm, there's mm. been a lot of there's been a lot of um, people who have seen ghost ships out on Lake Superior. I think all the Great Lake, Lakes have stories of ghost ships. Yeah. But my friend owned a cabin. The same friend I'm telling you that her friend was the guy that did the dive. She owned a cabin up on Eagle Harbor, which is up by Copper Harbor at the tip um and they they actually did see a ghost ship out on the lake her son did no and it wow. was like in the in the fog and it was a an old ship um i i want to say it was some kind of a schooner or something it was very Since old and it was like a time time thing a time warp oh i got a time warp story too but <laughs> anyway <laughs> it was it was like a time warp and um they were really like, did we really see what we just saw? You know, nobody had like cell phones to get pictures in those days. It was just like, yeah. you see it. And then you wonder if you really saw it. You know what I mean? That's so, very interesting, too. And something I want to note, there's not a lot of cases of the Coast Guard covering things up that people have shared publicly. And that right. story is very valuable because in my family's UFO crash case, the Coast Guard they were the ones that covered up the material with tarps and they secured the area. And yeah. you never hear about the Coast Guard in UFO. It's always Air Force, Army, or Navy. You never hear about the Coast Guard, but they're a big part of it. So uh, that's amazing. So uh, clearly, Josh is out in Wisconsin. He's up kind of that way. And it's yeah. a spooky, <laughs> wild place. Apparently, there's a Bermuda Triangle in Lake Superior. And on top of that, you got ghost ships, underground uh, facilities under the lake, probably some portal to uh, hollow earth of some sort. Who knows? You know? Yeah. Uh, Mind-blowing. So now that we got a little history of the area you grew up in, when did your experience, your contact with these beings, where and when did this all begin? And can you go over your experiences? Well, I have recently, more recently realized that this underground base, UFO base, is, is really real. Because just through all my dream work and my abductions and the fact that I grew up on a lake, Torch Lake, which is just off of Portage Lake, if you look at a map, it's all connected to the big lake um, mm -hmm. where my cabin was when I was a child. And in that cabin, I remember we, the four, there were four in my family, four children. I was the second oldest. All four of us would sleep in the loft because we were young. I think I was about five or six at this time. And we would sleep in the, cat, the loft and um, I would wake up some mornings with this feeling of like, I want to say like a skin anxiety, like all of my skin was like prickling at once. And I would think in my head, why am I 
not itchy, but why am I feeling so strange? And I, 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 I think it was ants. I felt like I was covered in ants. And that's how it felt. You know, these bugs all crawling all over me, but there weren't any. I'd get up and look at them, and there was no ants in my bed, you know. And I, that was my strange memory of a child that I, I think now, and I think about it now, it's almost the same feeling as you get if you're being taken or put mm-hmm. back. You know, it's like a frequency thing. Like your whole, all your cells in your body have been vibrating at a different frequency. Mm-hmm. And um, I never talked about it. I never told anybody until more recently I had talked to one of my brothers and he said, you know, I think I had the same thing going on. It was like triggering something in his head, but he really couldn't explain it either. You know, we talked about being UFO abductions and things like that. And he said, yeah, it could have been, mm-hmm. you know, he was open to it, but it's just, that was the beginning. And that was, that cabin was like, when we spent every summer there, school would get out, we'd go down there and a couple of days before school started, we moved back to town. Um, but it was always a great place to be. We played in the woods. We did all kinds of things. We swam. We had a sauna. I mean, we lived in our sauna in the lake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our neighbor used to call us like like these fish, you know, <laughs> these Finnish fish that were in the water all the time. But um, that w- it was a great place to grow up and and it was a comfortable place. Um, so as we proceed in the story, a lot of my dream information, the surroundings that are used as I'm being told these certain things, they set me in that cabin. So it's a safety spot for me. It feels secure for me. So any information they're feeding to me, it's not like I'm out, you know, Hmm. somewhere. The cabin seems to be the screened memory. You're having experiences and they're using something that you're comfortable with. Right. Sounds like your safe place. That's right. And it felt safe. It always felt really safe there. You know, like I said, we were part of nature there. We played Mm -hmm. in the woods every day. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how my parents would let us go into the deep woods. There were bear out there and everything, you know. Mm -hmm. We we explored all over the place. That's awesome. um, Yeah. So that was my childhood to that point. Um, But moving along then, my first real abduction that was very vivid was when I was in that second picture I gave you of the the home in the woods that we were building because we were living off grid. I was married, living off grid. Um, I already had one daughter and was pregnant for my second one in my first trimester. And I woke up in the middle of the night. I was, I can't remember where my husband was because he had gone on fishing trips and different things, you know, and I'd often been uh, out there all by myself with my kids. But I mean, it wasn't, I was never afraid out there, but we were way out in the woods. You know, we were more than a quarter mile off of a dirt road. And, um, Anyway, I I sat up in bed, as the illustration shows, and I, I thought, who moved the moon to the front window? Why, to that big window? Why is the moon up at the window? Who put it there? And I'm going, the, the, the whole room was lit up. Mm. And I'm going, oh, my God. And I just fell back in the bed, and next thing I knew, I was up on, on a ship. You know, I was... 
aboard a ship and I was on this table. I was on a table that was, I couldn't move. I was paralyzed and it was, um, my hands were strapped down, my legs were strapped down. It was a round table and it moved, you know, it rotated any which way they wanted to do it. And I totally just remember the noise the table made because it was like a whining noise, you know, like a motor, motorized table. And I yeah. thought, wow, yeah, yeah. And I, and I thought, wow, what is happening to me? And I was paralyzed to the point where I couldn't scream. I couldn't talk. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't, I could barely move my eyes around. But as I looked over in the corner, not in the corner, but along the edge of the table I was on, there were three little grays, gray aliens. Mm -hmm. And I just was going, in my head, I was going, what are you guys doing? And they didn't answer me or anything, but they, they pushed my right leg way up. They took the buckle off the ankle and they pushed my leg so far up. I thought they were going to break my hip. It hurt like crazy. I was screaming. I was telling them, stop it. You're hurting me. You're hurting me. And it, you know, it was like torturous. And finally they just let it go. They, you know, they put the leg back down and I was trying to figure out what are they up to? And next thing I knew, I woke up in my bed and I heard at that point, I heard the UFO leaving. You know, I could hear this whining, high-pitched whining sound uh, leaving it. Then it, like, was that the must have been over the cabin or the house? Was that and more of a hum versus the mechanical yeah. sound? When yeah. it was leaving, it was more of like a hum, like a tone. Right. Wow! Right. And when before you went <laughs> up into the craft, you said you saw this light come to your window. Were you able to make a visual on the shape of the craft? No. Okay. It so was so you blinding bright. So bright. And then before you know it, you're on the craft. That's right. Wow. Now, now Dude. I was. Oh, go ahead. Um, do you remember any other sensation on the craft, such as like the cold table? I've I don't that remember that, that. I remember it hard. It just like stainless steel. Hard, hard yeah, metal. Stainless steel. Yeah. I don't remember it being cold though. Okay. But you, you now remember I'm in my first trimester of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. So I'm not sure after that, I, I don't know the exact time period there. It wasn't very long after that. I had an abort, uh, a miscarriage. I thought oh, wow. it was a miscarriage. And I think I told you, Robert, that I had, um, gone to the bathroom and it was just like some lot of blood clots and a lot of blood. And I thought, mm -hmm. Oh my God, I'm losing this pregnancy. And then there was some little pieces of like white fleshy stuff in there. That's all I could tell. But I right away got a hold of the hospital and my husband took me in and we, um, I, I went and had a DNC. Then they scraped me, but they didn't say anything like they even retrieved anything. I didn't ask. Mm -hmm. They didn't tell. I don't know what, what that part of it was all about. But I just, in my mind, I just thought, well, I must have just miscarried for whatever reason, you know. And I, but right after that, I started to have these reoccurring dreams, one after another after another. I mean, it was almost nightly, but they were bringing this baby to me. 
and they would show it to me. And then it would, and I'd go, well, why can't I keep that baby? And this doesn't really look human. And what what's going on here? But they were like these alien beings, but they were like camouflaged as nurses or mm-hmm. care providers, you know, human looking almost, but they would bring the baby to me and they'd say, no, you can just visit with it for a while. Then we got to take it back. But every time they brought it to me in this short period of time, it was growing fast. It was growing mm-hmm. really, really fast. Absolutely. At, at, the, at the point where I, th- I did uh, send you that picture where there's a picture of her, it's a female mm-hmm. and she was really, I thought, very pretty. She's um, beautiful. Big eyes, mm-hmm. big eyes and a big head, it, larger than human. But um, very, she made a big impression on me, you know, and I, I just wanted to be able to, you know, at least understand what was happening. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and it was, I completely understand where you're coming from. Everything that happened with my mother Unfortunately, I witnessed my mother's miscarriage and during her pregnancy with me and others, you know, she went through this. And this is a very, very common physical side effect that happens to thousands, if not millions of women all around the world. And uh, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. It must have been really traumatizing. And, well, uh, it was confusing. Difficult. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was confusing because there was like no explanation. I didn't understand. You know, um, it, it was just like, what do I do with this? What do, what do I do? I was just abducted by an alien that nobody believes me. And now I have a miscarriage. What, what mm-hmm. do you do with all this information? You know, um, I didn't know a whole lot about that program the agenda that was running then and so i did start to research it and found out more about the hybrid program later but um, yeah now going back real quick and i'm sure josh will have a question about this situation so you were sitting on your couch you saw these beings in your living room then you saw this this light right well i was for this first abduction, I was in my bed. In your bed, and, and you up. saw the light. I sat up because the window lit up. You know, okay. the light was in the window in front of me. And then you saw the beings on the ship, correct? Yep. Yes. And do you, by any chance, know what species they are, where they come from? I only knew they were gray little dudes with big eyes, the big black eyes, and the big heads. I didn't know what exact, I didn't even know there were different species of greys. I'd heard Mm -hmm. about the greys and I just knew they were the greys. Yeah, they definitely sound zeta reticuli. (laughs) Am I right, Josh? Yeah. 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 (laughs) So uh, continue. Uh, So, you know, after after that, and Josh, do you have anything to add? Uh, Yeah, I have a couple things. the first time you said you saw it, you, you thought it was the moon, right? You're like, why right. did the moon change? Okay. Um, when you, your dream after the first abduction, did the dreams occur like all year round? For you, they too, were, the vivid. The dreams were actually that first, like maybe several months with that child. Um, then after that, I, I didn't have any more of those kind of dreams. 
um, for that child. After it got to be that big and they brought it to me that last time, what I drew mm-hmm. the picture, that was the last time I was able to hold her or see her. Mm-hmm. I didn't see her anymore. I didn't visit with her anymore. Seems like it was uh, it more might- active at certain points, almost like when they needed you for something. Yes. And I think it might've been for comforting a a baby, you know, after it was more of a child, they could Mm -hmm. do what they wanted with it. Wow. And uh, moving forward with this experience, did you have any other encounters with these beings after this uh, initial abduction and the miscarriage? Oh, wow. I did. I was, taking a nap on the couch down in our living room. And I was just kind of dozing off. I wasn't really sleeping. I was aware of my environment and all of that. But I was kind of dozing off in that in-between state. And the three of them appeared in the living room, three little gray aliens. And I, I telepathically am looking at them, thinking, what in the world are you guys doing here? Well, I had taken my my partial out of my mouth because it was bothering me, and I had put it on the table, uh, coffee table, and um, they picked it up, and they were looking at it, and in their minds, I could hear them about it. They clicked. They're big clicking sounds. That's another thing I always forget, but they had that click, click, click sound to their speech, but Mm -hmm. they were talking about the partial as being something so archaic us humans are so stupid that we have these archaic appliances to put in our mouths if you lose teeth or whatever and i thought to myself what do you know you know i was like i was kind of a little testy with them i'm thinking well, what do you know but they were listening to me they were listening to my thoughts and then then i woke up completely and they weren't in the living room so it was like they were there but they weren't there you know what i mean Almost in a different frequency. Yes. And I questioned myself. I thought, did I have a dream? I didn't fall asleep. Oh, my God. There was just three aliens there. One way to clarify it, did you have any sense of smell? Did you smell anything? No, I didn't smell anything. So this was happening in a higher frequency. That would be a good way to know physical to a, a higher frequency and... It sounds like these things are vibrating in that place in between, you know, places. I've heard that they come, um, they can contact you more through your consciousness. Um, we're in a in awake, aware state. We're in a beta state. So they come in the alpha state or maybe even in the delta state, but they come in that, which would push you more into a dream state. But they come in that generalized other frequency to make contact mm. i think um that Sorry. way people can't grab them you know what i mean <laughs> mm-hmm. you can't get your hands on them less blowback and a lot yeah. of the paralysis that you were describing in your first abduction you know you could barely move your eyes just enough to see these beings right you know and your body's stuck there that really explains a lot of it and why they do it because you're an easy target yeah. Wow. And so, Josh, any Judy, did you before? ever? Sorry, <laughs> Judy, did you ever wake up with any markings when this was first no, happening? No, I I didn't. I didn't. But I woke up um, bruised, 
feeling sore, like I had been dragged or beaten bruises. somehow. What kind of bruises? Not, not bruises, but, um, you know, it, did you ever, like, play a sport and get hit really hard mm. and then yeah. you're sore there, really so sore there the next day? You know you got hit by something. Like a good but old Charlie, Charlie yeah. horse. Yeah, but it, it, it didn't have a it, – it didn't show – but I, I would be so sore, like somebody was uh, dragging me around or, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. banging me around somewhere. And I'd question that. i go, oh, my God, I had a rough night last night. Something went on. But there mm-hmm. were so many times that I, I know I was on a ship. I just couldn't get grasp the recall of it. But I, I, I'd wake up and I had that strong indication that I was taken last night. You know, it was just like. Uh, they're coming for me all the time. And it wasn't only me, it was my kids they were coming for at, in these later years. You know, the, not at that time, because my kids were little at that time. But um, later, as the kids grew up and they were in their teens, they were after them too. This went on um, and on. I mean, my, so my daughter, my son, I, I looked for this T-shirt. I, I kept it, but my son bought my, oh, my phone's ringing. My son bought a, um, I don't know how to turn the phone off. I'll edit this part out. I'll edit this part out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah just on silent. You don't have to turn it off. Just. No, I was trying to decline it. There it oh, goes. Yeah. Um, there we go. So, <laughs> well, my we'll son, count it in. My One, son. Two, 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 three, go. Okay, my son um, bought a T-shirt for my daughter saying it's all fun and games until the flying monkeys show up. Because <laughs> they <laughs> referred to them as the Wizard of Oz flying monkeys, you know. Um, oh, wow, that's interesting. Y- y- yeah, <laughs> my, daughter, <laughs> my, <laughs> my daughter would, you know, say they were come out of her closet after her in the night. Very interesting. So, so, and my son had several experiences that he, for many years, didn't want to talk about. You know, he hasn't hasn't lost the the images or any of that, but he just too many people looked at us sideways and weird and rolled their eyes at us, and he didn't want to lose friends over this whole deal. But we all have lived with it all these years. Unfortunately, um, that happens. Un- yes. Um. So after the after this time period, I had divorced. I left my husband. We moved down to Besmer, Michigan. Now that this is going um, west out of the Houghton area where I was from, um, through the UP, going west. I went, went. I started college there. I went to school, and during that time period, there's a whole nother episode of events that's when the big stuff started um and i mean big stuff because we had visuals on ufos and things like that but abduction abducted again taken up through i went went to bed one night and i could have sworn my son came into the room and said mom and i i'm thinking why is he awake this is late he shouldn't be up is he sick or what and i looked over there and to the door where i thought he came in and there was a gray little alien standing there. And the next thing I know, I was just totally, you know, like paralyzed 
being lifted off my bed, floated out through the window or through the wall and up into the ship. The ship was wow. right over my house. And, wow. and that I remembered vividly. And there were there three of them again there were on the table with me. And they were messing around with me again. I don't know what they were doing. They had me on that table. And next thing I knew, I was awake in my bed. Awake and the in same, my bed. Same, same little gray beings that you saw in previous years, the same ones. Yes. And I, I concluded then, oh, they're tracking me. They're following me. They know everywhere I am. You know, mm -hmm. it's continuous. It's been continuous. And at that time, I, I freaked somewhat about it. But we were also going up to right up the street from where we were living. There was like this mine uh, on the hill, an iron mine that was closed down. And we would go up there and sit up there at night in the car with binoculars and watch the UFOs flying overhead. I mean, we knew they were UFOs. They weren't satellites. There were several of them at a time, sometimes seven, eight of them flying around up there. Wow. And we did this often, really often we went up there. And we would see the jets come from the um, Air Force Base in Duluth. The jets would come up there and chase them around at night. We'd watch them. And we'd think... Oh, my God, you know, there's a lot of activity going on here. What's this all about? And mm -hmm. one night we were up there with, um, I had this little escort station wagon, and my son and his friend were in the very back of the station wagon. And we were on the little road that was on top of that hill that we'd go to watch the UFOs. And he, I thought a car was coming behind me, and I pulled over off, off the side of the road because I wanted the car to go around me because I saw lights in my rear mirror and my son's there, mom, it's not, it's not a car. It's not a car. It's a UFO and it's coming up out of the mine and it came up. I mean, I was like, Oh my God, we all looked, you know, we all looked behind us and saw it. It came up, went back down, came up, went back down. It knew we were there. It didn't want to show itself. And it came up one more time and it went like at an angle and zipped off. And that was a, a, cylind a cylindrical one or a round one. Wow. A small one, like a scout ship. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking, holy crap, that just came out, out of the earth right there, you know, out of this hole in the ground and the old mine. And then we were just like, wow, you know, they're closer than we think. And um, they're using this mine. Well, my landlady and landlord lived in the captain of the mine's house, you know, it was a very old, big house on the side of that hill where the mine was. Mm -hmm. And she had told me all these stories of all the rumbling they'd hear underneath their house. There was all kinds after of activity going closed, on. After it was closed? Yeah. After it was closed. Yeah. All kinds of activity going on under there. This you has know, some resonance to Skinwalker Rat Ranch and some of the sounds they've heard coming from underneath Sometimes I think it's possible that these mines, when they're first constructed, the mine for stuff, eventually they might go a little too deep, bust into some sort of entrance, and then it gets shut down, but obviously still oh. being used. That's a whole another can of worms. It's a very fun yeah. lore. So hearing some of the old miner stories about them hitting stuff or yeah. being yeah. trapped in fires, 
and some guys coming out of the walls and pulling them out and saying, you didn't see anything, but you're going to live. Yeah. And then, so there's so many stories also, like that. It's important to mention, and Josh is blacksmith, you know, this mine was an iron mine. Iron is a high conductor, you know, and uh, it probably explains a big portion of why they're there to begin with in some sort of capacity. Wow. Yep. Well, in that area that was iron mines, where I'm from up in the Houghton, Keweenaw Peninsula area, that's all copper. Some of the greatest mm-hmm. copper de- deposits in the world are there. They, they didn't get it all out. It goes underneath yeah. Lake Superior. There's another um, one. My, my grandfather's, two of them worked in, the, in that mine, in the uh, Quincy Hill Mine in Houghton, Hancock. Oh, wow. Um, so I have a history in this area um, yeah, of my family. Well, anyway, after that, um, we were really gung-ho about this UFO hunting then. I mean, we were like really going for it. And there was another area we would go out into a field. We would drive these back roads and go into this open field and sit there and watch the skies there. Now, I mm-hmm. remember one time, and I forgot all about this one. I, I swear a lot of the memories get clouded over and you just kind of don't remember. And then all of a sudden something brings them up. But we were sitting there in my car and this UFO was a light was big light was coming at us. And it was like low in the sky, like like a really low um, private plane. First of all, I thought maybe it was a plane or a helicopter it was coming at us and it was the light was getting brighter and brighter. And then as it approached us and it wasn't that maybe a half a football field away from us, I could see figures up in the dome shaped cabin. I could see figures there and they looked like they didn't look like aliens. They looked like people. Oh. And, and I thought <laughs> we were, we were like, what, 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 and you know how your brain just tries to put the picture together and what is this? What's going on? I don't know. Am I really seeing this? And all of that, and that just flew over us, us and left. And wow. that's the one I don't remember all the time. I, I blanked that one out for some reason. I don't know what happened there, if anything. But I'll continue with this story because my neighbors, and I promised I wouldn't mention any names on this interview because I, I didn't get permission from these people. But friends of ours were in their car they went one night. My daughter and son were with them. They had their dog, and they went out into, I, I believe it was that same area, looking for UFOs that night. I didn't go for whatever reason. And they came back with the most horrendous story. They said hmm. they saw a big ball of white light come at them really fast, and they didn't remember anything else but ending up back in her driveway with their car full of red clay mud. And they had it up to their knees. The dog was full of it. They don't remember getting out of the car. The last memory they had was bright light coming at them. And they had two hours of missing time. Man, this is, this is ringing bells <laughs> to Michael Clifford's story. Isn't it, Josh? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, and what when you were talking about the craft you saw, the one that you have a hard time remembering about, we just had our good friend Michael Clifford come on, and 
his whole entire family, same situation, mother, two brothers, and him, four people, went through the same exact situation where they saw this craft come over them, and they all remember that, but they all have different memories and missing parts of times, and they were very confused on when it, the exact time it happened and when it happened. It seems to be a common occurrence. So strange. Yes. Wow. And the, the fact that there was all that mud in, in her car. And she had How? To have very, car very strange. Yeah, that and, they had been dragged through the mud. That's what it looked like. Yeah, and they weren't anywhere near the mud. How far was the mud from where they They don't know. They, they have no idea. They have no yeah. idea where that, how they got that mud, where it came from. So they, they couldn't even find red clay mud anywhere in the area. Well, there, there is because it's iron dirt everywhere. Uh-huh. You know, everywhere. I mean, there's different areas. But my thought was, was it at an opening of a mine that they got all that mud on them? Because that's basically True. how that mine was found. Makes sense. The mine on the hill, the guy that, I can't remember the name of the guy that discovered the ore there, but he, the reason he, he said there's iron ore here under the ground is because the dirt was so red, mm-hmm. you know, when he was exploring. So they could have this base of operations where they're taking these people and using that, you know, iron mine as a entrance, a little entrance. place to do the dirty work, I guess. Right, or whatever they were up to, but... I had also missing time coming from school one day. I had like 15 or 20 minutes that I don't remember anything. So I think I was interceded and taken from my car. I remember coming to at a stop sign in my car, entering the main highway. But I don't remember. Right after I left the, the, the college, I don't remember that drive at all. None of it. It's all blanked out. I, you know how you... You could be daydreaming or something when you're driving, but you you know where you are and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't remember a thing, nothing. Wow. A lot of missing time. And we yeah. all know normally when that happens, there's something You've been going taken. on during that time. <laughs> yeah. They were, they were definitely following me, but uh, there was another instance in that house too after I was levitated up and out through the wall where I woke up sneezing. I, I woke up like something was up in my nose and I just had to sneeze and sneeze and sneeze. It was so irritated. And I, I quickly got the image of these beans standing on side of my bed. They had just shoved something up my nose and it, and it had like a cat claw hooked on it. I don't mm-hmm. know if they were, they were putting a, I don't know if they were putting a um, implant in or taking one out. But it felt more like they were taking one out, maybe replacing it with something else. I don't know. But they were standing next to the bed. It was the gray ones again. Um, Same beings. Yes. and Which, this is strange because you, you remember those with the gray beings, but you've had some other encounters where you have this missing time and you don't remember. So do you think that could possibly be a different uh group of characters that seems like you remember you know you remember the grays it it very well could be um in this time period during this whole thing i had been in studies um spiritual a lot of spiritual studies and learning a lot of really cool things um not so much i didn't go down the alien 
avenue at all. It was more just spiritual insight and, you know, bettering yourself and healing yourself and chakra systems and all that stuff. But the, the alien thing was like, I think because it was so young that they were part of my life. I think that they, I was being fought over. I do. I think I was, I think that they were the program, the, the Gray's Agenda program, the Zetas, I think that they were after me. And I think that there was ones that came in interceded. And the reason I say that is because for a while I was, we were on this quest that I had to find out who the little people were. Um, I, I did tell you a little bit about this, but the little people were very um, important to me for some reason. I don't know why. I didn't know much about them, but I wanted to know more. And we were at a dream catcher shop down in Lac du Flambeau uh, um, in Wisconsin. And we were just on one of these exploratory trips. We'd go and investigate and ride around in the country and do these different things and visit these places. And we stopped at this dream catcher shop and there are beautiful dream catchers in there. And the woman that owned the shop, we were talking to and somehow we got on the subject of the little people. And she kind of just looked at us like, um, oh, why are you so curious about the little people? And then we asked her, you know, do you know anything about them? And she said, well, I can't really tell you about them. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't say too much. It'll go against our, you know, our code in our tribe. But we did protect, we do protect them. And they're in, she kept pointing this direction. They're in that direction. They're in that direction. Well, the direction she was pointing in, geologically was she was in northern Wisconsin she was pointing over to Bayfield Wisconsin which Mm. is which is by Ashland Um, Bayfield juts out it's a peninsula that that kind of goes out into the water there on Lake Superior and there's a Red Mm. Cliff Indian Reservation there and she, she said they're well protected there in the Red Red Cliff because it's right along Lake Superior and I thought, well, is there an inner earth connection there? Can, can they hide out there? What's the deal? But my thing was, is I, when I came across Elena Danon's work and I ordered her book, A Gift from the Stars, she talks about the little people in there. And when I saw the illustration that she did of the little people, I couldn't help but I had drawn pretty much the identical drawing of the, of the person that rescued me, um, that I got rescued from a ship when I was on is that a ship? Was that the Lang? Yes. Those, the Lang well, species. Ha- yes. I have a book here in this. Which is, some people this. call them fae and fairies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's them. <laughs> but if you, when you, I sent you my picture of, I did of her, of that. Mm-hmm. Um, she was just so curious. I don't know if you can see it. She was so yeah. curious to touch me. She just wanted to touch me, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, you're a human. I want to touch you. She was really friendly aboard that ship. But I had been put in this little compartment. I had been taken from someplace and shifted over to this other place in their ship and um, put in this tiny compartment with this this other being, this playing, I guess, the little people. But yeah. I know that's what, after I realized, after Elena's picture and my picture were so much alike, I know that's who it was. Those were the little people that had rescued me and from they, whatever was. 
they are involved with a lot of rescues. They're, mm-hmm. they're yes. known for that. So it, it makes yes. sense. And that, and that may made me actually feel good. Some of your other experiences <laughs> that you don't really recall, you know, there's a possibility right. it could have been species like that or others that were trying to undo all the stuff the Zetas were doing to you. Yes. And some of my, these experiences came in real vivid dreams. So I don't, some people say, oh, you're just dreaming. You just have a very vivid, very imaginative mind. You're an artist. And I think to myself, no, you have no idea what this feels like when you're in this state of being. Um, you might think it's a dream, but you're, you're questioning yourself in the dream. This isn't a dream. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's really. The subconscious is real. It exists. Yeah. It's there. It's scientifically proven. Right. And what happens there is no different than your conscious. It's all part yes. of the same thing. So I had a dream that was very powerful. I was aboard a glass bottom ship. Now these beings were not nefarious or had anything to do with the grays. They were tall, probably about 10 to 12 feet tall. There were two of them, one on each side of me, and they were pure light. Pure mm. light. They didn't have a form to identify at all except the light and they but they were talking to me and I was flying in their ship with them there the whole ship was glass like see-through you could see through the floor you could see through the walls but we knew we were on a ship and they were showing me this big they were pointing we were flying over the United States and they said um that what you're seeing under you we want you to be aware is a crossroads like a big X, like a, well, a big cross that would go north and south, east and west across the United States. That's coming. Beware. I didn't know what they were talking about. I mean, this is like in the late 80s or early 90s that I get this dream. And they, then we flew up to Puget Sound, and they told me this is where the submarines are entering under the, under the um, coast, and going down into these tunnels underground. Well, now we know there's child trafficking going on through those tunnels mm-hmm. with the submarines. And they were telling me all this about these submarines. I'm going, submarines? What are you talking about? I don't know anything about submarines. You know, there's and I underground, that... there's underground, you know, channels, rivers right. going from California out to Colorado and then starting to cut up right towards Michigan, probably opening. There's probably another opening somewhere in Texas that wouldn't surprise me. Um, Very interesting. Wow. Yes. And at that time, I knew nothing about the dumbs, the tunnels, any of this stuff that's coming out now. I didn't know anything about it. Um, But have recently learned and gained a, a lot of knowledge about that. But to be told that, I'm thinking, well, where am I I from then if I'm with these beings of light uh, showing me? I I must be protected, right? That's how I felt. I felt really comfortable and protected. And so these greys and their programming, it's almost like there was a a war going on about me, about who I am and what I still don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know who I am as an individual, but... I don't know where I fit in this bigger picture totally. I'm, I'm sure I'll learn as time goes on, but I've always felt like I'm taken care of. I'm okay. Um, I feel like I, 
I was invaded. I really do. I don't buy into the program that people try to tell you, you made an agreement on a higher level to be a part of the hybrid program. I just can't. That doesn't nope. sit with me. That's it right. Doesn't sit. I agree with you 100%. And, and I think it, if that was the case, then why do we have pe these other beings coming and rescuing us from these, their missions? Exactly. Why would, the, exactly. why would the little... Why would the little people come and save me? Or like in the lane Danon, why did they come and save her off of that ship? You know? Yeah. Why were they so, trying to save my mother? You know, yeah. people don't ask for this. That people don't no. ask to be paralyzed and to go to trauma. People don't ask to lose their children, their babies, and only be right. able to communicate with them telepathically, but not show too much love and affection. You know, right. they, no mother would ever want that. It's heartbreaking. No. And the no. physical side effects. You know, when right. you miscarried, it wasn't, you know, a joyful physical feeling. So, no. so many women have a lot of menstrual problems. They have a scar tissue and hemorrhaging on their uterus and so many other health issues. Why would anyone ask for that? You yes, know, and that and that's ridiculous. how I feel. I I had those kind of uh, fem female problems all my life, as far as you know, bad periods and a lot of bleeding and a lot of blood clots and you know, just very uncomfortable all my life. Yeah, um, that's I, been the common occurrence, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm. And so there was one more event that took place when I, I was in Besmer, Michigan. Um, my son was outside on the street riding bikes or skateboarding or whatever, and he came running in the house and he said, you got to come out here. There's a UFO sitting right over our house. And I'm going, whoa. You know, I went out there and sure enough, we stood on the street and looked up at this thing. It was a big triangular thing right above the house, just gliding really super slow, you know, like it, like it was just cruising and sightseeing or something and it had triangle shape to it with a light on each point corner on the bottom what color the lights Black is, uh, the the lights i don't remember i more yellow i would say a yellow color okay so and the ship was black but it was quiet you couldn't hear a thing nothing mm -hmm. it was real stealth and it would it just floated by really quietly and then it went down the street we jumped in my car right away and followed it we chased it and to see where it was going and then it got down to the end of the road the road ran out i couldn't go any further and it just went way off into the distance and, and took off hmm. so I, I i wondered if that was a ship that i was taken aboard because it was the same time period you know where they they took me up through the levitated me and took me up Okay, so that sighting took place during that one abduction. Yeah. With the grays, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So wow. So I just I just you know, I I've got I've this is stirred in my head for so long and nobody to really tell it to that would listen. Um it's it's kind of hard. It's like living with a secret that even if like a rape, I was just telling somebody a rape victim or somebody that's 
raped as a child and they could never tell their story and they're damaged from it. They're literally damaged from it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, I feel like abductees, what happens to abductees. Nobody wants to believe their story. They're ridiculed for it. They're put down. They're laughed at. I have good friends that have laughed at me over all this. And I yeah. think, well, there's really nothing I can do. I'm sorry. It didn't, I mean, I'm glad it didn't happen to you, but don't tell me it didn't happen to me because it did, you know? Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, it happens yeah. so much. And uh, I'm sorry you had to go through all that. But you know what we're doing, Josh and I, we're making a community where people can come forward and connect with others that have had their experience. I had to watch my mother suffer with the same kind of ridicule, rejection. I've went through it myself, and it's one of the worst feelings because there's a lot of physical, emotional, and mental side effects. And sometimes what's worse than the actual encounters with beings from other worlds is dealing with the human beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's actually worse than some of the awful things that happen in these abductions. The ridicule right. is worse than the experience. So right. people out there, please keep an open mind when people are sharing their stories. And no one has the authority to say someone's reality isn't their own. You can't. Exactly. Wow. And Josh, and, you have a, I'm sorry, go ahead, Judith. Oh, I just wanted to say, since then, I've learned so much about the, the, the stars, you know, the, the um, different beings from everywhere. And thanks to Elena, she's kind of put that out in a really good format to understand. Um, I know this earth has a long history of aliens coming and going. I mean, we're part of that race. Uh, we, we've been our genetics have been manipulated for thousands of years and, you know, we've got many species in us and that's Mm -hmm. all right, you know, but we are Mm -hmm. also human. We're human. And, you know, we are our own breed, our own race, our own people. And we aren't a a commodity for another race. You know, we're not something that another race or whatever can control and handle however they want, you know? So Absolutely. I think, I think the more people that come out and t- start talking about it, you know, it'll get to the point where it's like a, more of a common thing. More people talking about it, it's become more of a common denominator. And once you get a common denominator across the sec- different sections of, of life, you're, you've got more leverage, more truth and validity to your experiences. Absolutely. And as I always say, you know, humans are extraterrestrials that don't know they're extraterrestrials. Yeah, that's that's what's going on. We're one of the few species that are unaware of what we actually are. And we're not meant to be manhandled. We're meant to coexist and to be one with the rest of the universe, you know, and um, hopefully we can get there. And before, uh, Josh, you have any questions? Going yeah, back to I, I got, I got a, I got a couple. <laughs> oh, he, he um, got a whole list for you. Yeah, so. I do. Um, <laughs> we'll start going through these. Uh, back to your first stories with the Zetas. Uh, do you remember any emotional response when you were around them? Uh, from I, you, I mean, I have more of a curious 
aspect to me. And I know like the old saying, curiosity will kill the cat, but I have that, like, I kind of want to know what's around the corner. I want to know what I'm up against. I want to know what's going on. I want to know who you are. My, oh, I have one more little thing to tell you, talking about my dream things. This was at my camp. I wanted, I'm sorry, I, I want to get back to this before I forget. Um, it's okay. The dream was Go real on. vivid at the <laughs> camp. The dream was very vivid at my camp. This is more current. Um, happened in 2012 where I was woken up in a bed. I was sleeping in the camp, in the dream. And this lady with green, really brilliant green eyes and dark hair, short hair, woke me up and she was very gentle and she said, please, she was human. She said, please don't be afraid, but there's somebody here that needs to talk to you. And I'm going, oh, okay. And I get, I get up and I look and there's this alien sitting in a chair in my camp. And I go over to him and looked in his eyes and he telepathically, his eyes were just brilliant. They're beautiful, like, like the universe. When I looked in him, that's all I could see was the universe. And he said telepathically to me, he said, this is where the human race is headed. I just like melted. I was like, oh my God. And I looked out the front window and there were three beings pacing back and forth out there. Uh, I don't know who they, you know, they were with him, but he was in the camp with me. And that was it. And that, that was the end of the dream. If it was a dream, I think it was a, you know, a contact. And there was yeah. another contact there at an earlier time, same place in the camp where there was all these ships, these cylinder, these uh, round ships diving in and out of the lake going into the water, coming out again, circling the area, diving into the water. And then I turned and looked, and there was a, a tall bean with this big, huge head. I mean, his, not, not fat this way, but long like this, real tall. Mm -hmm. And I was just amazed at his head, his hair. I didn't know if it was hair, a helmet, or what it was. And I kept looking at it and trying to focus in on it. I kept looking at it as he was talking to me and he told me there's a big war coming and it's inedible on this planet. It's coming to earth and you're just going to have to be ready for it and just get out of the way. Let us do our business. That's the message he gave me. Mm -hmm. He was a commander of a ship apparently. And he was, he wasn't, I didn't feel intimidated by him a little bit because he was like, you know, commander but mm -hmm. he just seemed, he knew his business and he didn't want the human, he wanted the humans to get out of the way. That's all he said. Just Let get them out of the do way. whatever they got to do. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And uh, going back to what Josh was saying, amazing experience, especially about that one being and seeing the other beings in the background walking outside while he was giving you this seemed to be positive message or for, forewarning. And uh, mm -hmm. what Josh was saying about the grays and, and the emotion side of it, were they giving off any emotions? No. No. They didn't care. Emo emotionless. I would bring right. that up because it sure seemed like they wanted her to know that they were there. I mean, with like playing with her partials, they don't seem yeah. like they want to hide their presence. <laughs> yeah. Like they weren't hiding. 
yeah, they, 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 but almost it seemed like they were inquiring, you know, they were, they were nosy too. They were trying to look at what, what that, that appliance for my mouth was all about. You know what I mean? It's like, well, making, what is this? Making sure another alien species didn't put a new device in their project. Probably saying, yeah. what is this primitive <laughs> yeah. satellite thing that goes inside of her mouth? You know? Um, I, yeah, they, I wouldn't they, doubt it. You know, it's kind of like us looking at technology from 300 years ago. Yeah. Give it to a teenager these days. Give them a right. DVD player. And they go, how do you use this? It's not Netflix. You know? <laughs> An Same kind of reaction. Wow. That's and probably Josh, what they were doing. Uh, more questions, Josh. There's one question in particular <laughs> that you need to ask. Something I want to know more about for sure. The Bigfoot picture? Yeah. Well, the Bigfoot experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you had some sort of experience with, you know, this uh, Sasquatch being, am I right? We well, definitely want to call, hear more about that. If you want to call it a Sasquatch, I, I really didn't know. I just knew its whole body was covered with hair, like the drawing shows. And it was very friendly, but it ran so fast through the woods that you couldn't see it. You couldn't get your eyes focused on it. It just went whoosh, whoosh. And I, I'm thinking to myself, what is that thing? And then it stopped. When I thought that, it stopped. And it, and it looked at me. It was, just, it was just lovely. It was really, really um, gentle and kind and that. And it approached me. And it sat in my lap. And I was, like, petting it like a dog. And how, it had these big eyes that was just looking was up it? at me. The same height probably as about, you? Yeah, probably about my size. Okay. Did it and, feel and I, old or young? In your opinion, uh, feeling young, young, young. Okay. Hmm. Uh, do you think it was male or female? Um, that I I don't really know. I I want to say male, um, but I really don't know for sure. And it cuddled it was, on you. Yeah, it, it was just like so friendly. <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. It gives me there, hope. Well, yeah, and then there was still one more thing I wanted to kind of bring up. I. The, the first picture I sent you of that man, mm-hmm. um, very distinguished looking man that had like light rays around his head. He came mm-hmm. to me in several dreams and talked to me. I think he was, I think he was from another planet, another, not planet, but star system. I think he was, I, I don't know, but he was like a, a spiritual guide of some kind for me very powerful mm-hmm. wow and um, I, he was he, he was like a jesus figure almost to me that's how he felt from a real yeah. high frequency and did he ever give you any uh messages what kind of information was he giving you he the was other, giving me the inf- other ones were you know talking more about you know foreshadowing this war and other things uh, what was he talking about? His messages was just the one that he gave me that I remember very distinctly was I would need to separate myself from certain friends I was hanging with because they weren't doing me any favors. They weren't doing me any good frequency wise. Mm-hmm. And my, my best thing would be to pull away from them and find new friends to be with. 
at that time so, period. So essentially things on helping you raise your vibration yeah. and your frequency. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sounds more positive than grace holding yes. you on a table paralyzed. Yeah. Uh, oh my sure. God. <laughs> That's got to be the um, worst ever. Yeah. And I, I think I told you too, that I've been more recently attacked pretty viciously by the reptilians and that's a whole nother story i was just gonna bring that up rob said oh my god and we didn't cover anything with the reptilians and i that was one of the pictures that i remember from today well were those insectoids the one with your oh, yeah. your See, male guy with are they so insectoids much, yes. or reptilians yes Th those i think were uh, more of the praying mantis the mantoid species i thought they were more like grasshopper looking but they were friendly they were very friendly they were eating uh, we were eating fish and artichoke and broccoli around a campfire up on a way up on a mountain i was and wondering what I, you were eating in that picture <laughs> i was really wondering I, I was so like what in the world he they would put it into the side of their mouth because they couldn't chew this way they would slide it in this way and grind it up. And I was just sitting there, I was just enthralled with how they were managing to eat this artichoke-like stuff and broccoli. That, Almost the way they like a piece it. of corn. Yeah. How, how we go <laughs> but, through corn. They're yeah, eating. but, and so the guy, John, uh, that he was like a Nordic. I thought of him as Nordic. And his name was John. He was my guide. And we were going up that mountain. And he told me, um, don't spend too much time uh, with your meal. Um, and I got up and I went over to the edge of the cliff where he was standing. He says, you see down there, there's these white and black, they're white and brown bears. Um, and it's, I've heard now that the white bears are mingling with the brown bears um, because the polar uh, cap is melting. And we mm. have a lot of work to do and we have a lot of climbing to do yet. Um, so he said, we best get on our way. Wow. I, I was like, wow, you know. Um, you didn't threw, know where you were or anything like no, that. No, I didn't know. That is uh, I didn't actually very interesting because there is actual lot of TNR talking about brown bears mating with polar bears because they're coming yes. inland because of the ice caps. This dream state happened before that was ever reported, um, you know, um about the brown and black bears mingling or brown and white bears mingling wow um that was long before that that, that happened before they lost all their ice land you know wow. all the that was actually so, pretty recent that i heard that too <laughs> yeah 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 and so this experience what what time time frame did it happen year year round yeah <clears throat> that that uh, dream I believe was in the 90s uh, that I had that experience with him on that on that mountain okay there was just lots of stuff shown to me and John was again involved in a dream where he was showing me this electronic beetle that went up the wall that was a spy beetle mm -hmm. and he said you got to kill those things you, you got to destroy those things they're spying on humanity yeah, I mean, they're they're I using pigeons, beetles, flies, anything they can, ladybugs. Uh. And the the other couple of pictures that you're gonna probably inject in there is, um, this was my first encounter. Wait, I don't know if you can see him. 
he was friendly, but I think he's the same guy at the end that I saw his universe eyes, universe yeah. in his eyes. That's the that's, one that was sitting down with the grays in the background outside the window. Yeah. Um, Interesting. But I saw, I saw him long before that. And then I saw him in 2012 again. And do you think that being is somehow working with the grays or using them? I don't think so. I think it's a different species than those the, the gray the grays. So the grays were almost spying on him, wondering what is he doing talking to her, and they yeah. were outside, like waiting, like dogs waiting for food. Yeah, that's like, what it seemed anxious. like. They were either that or they were some kind of foot soldiers or something out there. That it just seemed really weird. That is weird because he and sounds then, more positive and little different looking it sound like they were getting anxious and worried outside yeah especially they, they with what impatient. he was telling you they seemed impatient mm-hmm. wow amazing and this, before, before the movie avatar ever came out i made contact with this being oh can't see it yeah but Looks that's a like a Lani. Yeah. La Lyra? Lyra and I think. Yeah, I think so too. They very uh humanoid, some cat they're not cats, but cat like features. Yes. That's awesome. And 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 when the movie Avatar came out, I thought, oh my God, that that's who I you know, what are they doing with that Avatar movie? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And this is my buddy that showed up on my bed one day. Can you see this? Yes, I was wondering about that one. Can you tell yeah, me, me too. more about all the others I understood and I got right away? That one threw me for a loop a little bit. <laughs> it threw me for a loop too, believe me. I was in my bed in, in the morning and I woke up and I had woken up, um, opened my eyes. I was aware of my bedroom and I thought to myself, who put that stuffed, blue stuffed animal on my bed? I don't have a blue stuffed animal. And I was looking and it was like all the blue fur was electric, like, you know, sparking out like this, really pretty. Mm -hmm. And the face was like one of those monkeys, those Himalayan snow monkeys. And the eyes were moving back and forth. It was watching me like a real person. I, I, I physically saw it on my bed. And this it was wasn't a dream. There. It wasn't a dream. I was awake. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And, oh, wow. Wow. And, wow. And I'm watching it. And I'm going, oh, my God, what are you? You know, and it didn't talk. It didn't say anything. But its eyes were moving around. It, you know, it's like its eyes are looking around in the room and looking at me and kind of like jittery like those snow monkeys do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, the more I focused in on it and the more I looked at it, it just kind of started to dissipate and it turned into more of a fog like thing. And then poof, it was gone. Wow. And a, like that a, was real. Ele electrified coat. It, yeah. Was it electricity that looked like fur or was it yeah. fur with electricity coming off of it? It, it was like maybe fur with electricity coming off of it. Yeah. But it was like moving, you know, it was like, like electricity, you know, would flicker. Did you yeah. have any emotional response around that thing? Oh, yeah. I felt just pure love beauty. All right. It was beautiful. 
and, and it was just like it dropped in for a visit. And was it watching me during sleep during the night? I don't know. Oh, I wonder. I wonder what species that one is. I don't. I, I, I don't one. have any idea. I have no idea. But it was. It made a big impression on me. I'll tell you. And for I mean, I laid there. That electric coming off of it. That's generally, you know, a higher vibration, a higher yeah. density being. So that how big did you think it was? How big? Yeah. It was maybe um I don't know, two two feet tall, maybe no, not two, um a foot, maybe twelve inches tall yeah. or a foot and a half. It looked like a big stuffed animal on my bed to the right of me when I woke up. So about that big. Yeah. Smurf size. The, qu- um. the qu- again, your mind is trying to relate to what it's looking at you know and the fact that i was looking around in my room and i was awake wow and it's sitting there looking at me and i saw i saw its physicality in its face and it was looking back and forth like yeah and then looking around its eyes are moving every which way and looked right at me a couple times like oh there you are you're awake It's a very cute being. It's adorable. Yeah. I, I yeah. really would like to hang out with one. <laughs> Me too. Sure. And uh, before we start to wrap it up here, uh, Josh, do you have any other questions going back? A lot of experiences. Um, I, could you tell us a little bit about the reptilian experience you said you recently had? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's a dark one. I've had them in my bed having sex with me a lot, for one thing. Oh, wow. Wow. I've woken up, and my bed would shake, and i go, oh, my God. And this is when my husband was still alive, and he had his own room because he was ill. And I thought, I think to myself, did my husband get in bed with me or what? And then I, I'd be, no, I can hear him in his bedroom right now. It's not him. And the bed shook so hard, like somebody just laid down or got up or rolled over or something. I was scared to death to turn around and see what was behind me, just trembling. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to look. I was forcing myself not to look. And then I finally just said, screw it, I'm going to look. And there was nothing there. But in my mind, I knew there was a reptilian in bed with me. They, I wow. had him on top of me having sex with me. But the bed the was night. physically shaking. Wow. Yep. Wow. And I've had them come this close to my face. I've had them stick their tongue in my mouth. I've had all kinds of experiences like that. Those have pretty much ended. The last one was a couple of months ago here when one of the Dracos came into my room. And oh, my God. That had been the the most terrifying, horrible experience I've ever had in my life. Mm. And I've been chased by bears. (laughs) So it's like... Despicable, um, no, thank you. just so very um, professionally because it's going on YouTube. Uh, very perverted things these draconian, you know, reptiles would do to you. Yes. Wow. And Man. this last one that came in, I'll tell you, it attacked me. And I was sleeping with my arms like this for some reason, and it grabbed my wrists. It First thing, it came right on my body, pushed down on me and grabbed my wrists. And I'm going, what the hell is this pushing like that? Like it was crushing my rib cage. And I couldn't get a breath. And it had its, you know, its 
hands around my wrist and it was digging like a dew claw into my inside of my wrist. Very oh, wow. painful and very painful. It was hurting. And then it had one claw on its foot digging into my ankle. And I thought, I thought to myself, how do I do this and break it free? How do I get rid of it? And I was like, I was literally praying to Jesus to help me. And I, I'm a Christian born person, but, and I believe in, you know, well, Christianity to a certain degree of, of the teachings, but more, more so Jesus's teachings. But I was praying for whoever I could get, get to help me break free of this thing. Cause it had me and I thought it was going to kill me. I literally did. And I, I, I finally was broke my arms free like that. And I said, I won't accept you get out of here, you know, leave right mm -hmm. now. And poof, it was gone. I yeah. was so shook that I turned my light on. I sat up, I got out of bed, went and used the bathroom, got back in bed, and I'm just, I was shaking. I'm going, oh, my God. And I left the light on all night. I could barely sleep. I slept kind of sitting up a little bit. I don't, and I actually, oh, I have these, I have these hematite and Lake Superior bracelets. They're the hematite magnetized, and they wrap around your wrist. You know, you just keep wrapping it so it makes like a cuff and um mm -hmm. i put those on for many nights in a row but i didn't want to get those the claws dug into my wrist again mm -hmm. and i thought then i started to think i wonder if this is why egyptians wore those cuffs on their wrists they'd always wear those metal cuffs you know mm -hmm. i don't know but anyway um yeah, that was that was probably the worst experience I had, but that was that big Draco being that Elena. Actually, I went on YouTube and I searched it and I found that picture that Elena has in her book about the Dracos. Mm -hmm. There's the same dude. He came the night before. I felt him in my in my apartment here. I felt him moving around. I could actually see the dark moving around and I thought, "Well, oh boy, somebody's visiting me. I don't care for." And I was then trying to keep him away. And then that night he attacked me. But he came in the room, filled the whole room with so so much dark, evil, icky feeling. Ugh. It was terrible. And we we I, have the power to get rid of it, you know. Fear is yes. to cassette. And, you know, you made a demand. And also to kind of circle back because we're a little over time. I want to start to close it out. But with, uh, you know, it really sounds that these Zeta Reticuli could be doing the dirty work in the back end of whatever the reptilians want to use you for. Seems like they're somehow connected with what they're doing. You know, it's strange. Right. So Judy, is there a way people can contact you to share your story? Um, yes, I have an email, which is uh, green, G-R-E-E-N-E, -E, Judith, J-U-D-I-T-H, eight at gmail.com perfect and everyone out there that info is in the description make sure you check it out also we are the disclosure podcast on spotify and anchor fm along with josh and i our emails and our other social accounts make sure to check it out if you have any other information pertaining to judith's experience or 
what's going on in the Upper Peninsula and the mines, please reach out. She would love to hear your story or any additional information. That's what we're doing, right, Judy? Trying to put the pieces together. Yeah. (laughs) So please contact her, uh, Josh or myself. And we really appreciate it. And we hope to see you next time. It was a pleasure having you as our guest, Judy. A lot of stuff for everyone, the process. And I hope others will come forward and add a little bit more to this big old picture that we're trying to put together. So everyone's story is valuable. And now is the time to come forward. We are the disclosure. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.